Welcome to Explore Europe, a podcast series for American military stationed in and around Germany. Each episode brings you travel tips and local secrets to help you get the most out of your time overseas. This episode is proudly sponsored by Used Car Guys. Pre-owned military car sales all over Germany and new car sales for stateside delivery when you PCS. Good cars from good guys. And now, introducing your hosts, Michelle Peirce and John Sweeney, who've been living in Germany and exploring Europe for over 15 years. So, where should we explore today? Well, there's only one way to find out. It's on with the show. Morning, John. How are you? Very well, thanks, Michelle. And yourself? Yeah, I'm really good. Enjoying this lovely weather we're having in Germany. Well, we had um, absolute monsoon on Saturday here in Ramstein. The streets were like a river. And then an hour later, nothing. Oh, wow. I've had fantastic weather, actually. So I've been out on, my, on a stand-up paddleboard for most of the weekend. Well, I had my swimming trunks on wading through the water outside the office on Saturday afternoon for a bit, but that's the first. And people in Landstall, the next town from Ramstein, not a drop of rain. So it was a bit unusual, but, but fun nonetheless. Wow, goodness. That is uh, strange weather we're having here. Um, where are we off to today, John? Uh, somewhere very close to my heart, very close to your heart. We both grew up there. It's Cambridge in England. Oh, I can't wait. Now, the only problem we're going to have with this episode is keeping everything within about 20 minutes because we have quite a lot to say about it. Well, we know the place very, very well and we don't want to bore everybody too much, but we'll, we'll do our best to give as much good information as possible. Yeah, I think um, if I'm being honest, this is probably the ultimate uh, insider's episode into visiting a town in England. I think Cambridge is somewhere that you absolutely should have on the top of your list. If you only visit one or two places in England, let it be London and let it be Cambridge. I would agree. We are both biased, but I would certainly agree. And growing up there was a wonderful place to grow up. Moving to Germany was brilliant. And it really wasn't until I went back to Cambridge with friends or a girlfriend and showed them around the city uh, that you really realised how pleasant and magical Cambridge really is. Growing up there, you take it for granted. I would completely agree with you. I think it's not until you leave somebody, somewhere that you've spent most of your life that you truly appreciate that what you have. I was very lucky for a number of years I worked within the university, so I got to see um, very much that side of the, of the city anyway, but it really wasn't until I moved away to Germany and then came back, like you said, when, and showing friends and family around you see it with fresh eyes and you realise what a wonderful place it really is. It is. So let's get started, shall we? Yeah, brilliant. So how would we get to Cambridge? It's about an hour from London, but that's not necessarily, you don't necessarily have to do this as a day trip if you're in London, do you? You could make it a weekend of its own. Cambridge could certainly be done as a weekend on its own if you want to explore. Um, you can also come from London. There's a direct train from London to King's Cross to Cambridge in 45 minutes. And I think where most of our uh, listeners are going to come from would be if they're on TDY or they're staying at Lake and Heath and Mildenhall and travel to Cambridge. It's about a 30 minute drive to Cambridge. So it'll break, break up your time if you're on base at Lake and Heath and Mildenhall. Mm, fantastic. But if we weren't and we were flying there, we can fly to the nearest airport, which is Stansted Airport, isn't it? Correct. You can go from Hahn or Luxembourg from the KMCC into Stansted. If you're in the Wiesbaden area, uh, that you can fly from Frankfurt, Maine as well. And then uh, Stuttgart. I don't know if a Stuttgart has flights. Yeah, you can actually fly direct from Stuttgart Airport or you can fly from Baden-Karlsruhe. And um, being in Mannheim, I actually tend to fly from Baden-Karlsruhe most of the time. I find that even easier than going from Frankfurt. Got it. And uh, if you book early with Ryanair, as we've discussed earlier, like booking early train, uh, trains, uh, you can get some very, very inexpensive flights. I've, I've done it for 60, 70 euros return. Um, obviously, sometimes it's going to be more expensive, sometimes be a little bit less expensive as well. Yeah, I've, I've, been, I've managed to book flights for even less than that. But as we've mentioned on this podcast before, be really careful when you're using a low-cost airline like Ryanair. You get a very small hand baggage allowance. If you want to take more than that, which is usually only about eight kilos, and it has to be in quite a small bag, you need to book extra baggage, and that will cost more. And if you're only taking hand baggage, which you can certainly do if you're going for a weekend, you have to be really careful with the amount of liquids you take. Uh, it needs to be in a clear plastic bag under one litre and every um, liquid item that you take needs to be less than 100 millimetres and they're really strict on that. So just watch out for that. Okay. But it, you can definitely get there super cheap. 
And once you're in Stansted, it's really easy to get to Cambridge. There's either a direct train to Cambridge Main Station or um, there's a great bus service. I often use the bus service, actually, um, because the Cambridge uh, train station is a little bit out of the town centre, but the bus service will take you directly to the city centre. So works out great. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit, and it's similar that Heidelberg and Cambridge are twin cities. Most train stations that you would go to are going to be in the centre of town. With Heidelberg and with Cambridge, they're just a little bit off-centre. So just be have your walking shoes on or jump on a bus or jump in a taxi when you get to Cambridge Station or jump on the bus from uh, from Stansted. Yeah, that's a a great trick, actually. And uh, I'll put the links to the airlines that we've recommended, the bus and the train stations, into the show notes as well. So that'll be super easy to plan your trip. Okay. What about accommodation, John? Now, I've done a little bit of research in advance. Obviously, for us, when we go home, we stay with friends and family, so that's super easy. But if you're visiting and you wanted to stay overnight, even if you're in Lakenheath or Mildenhall, it's kind of nice to have one overnight in Cambridge, I think, don't you? I think if you're going to do Cambridge correctly, you can do a whistle-stop tour and do it in a day. But to do it correctly, you need at least two days. There's now lots of accommodation. Years ago, when I was growing up as a kid, the, the biggest problem Cambridge had was not enough accommodation. Now, there's lots and lots of accommodation. There's five-star hotels, there's decent bed and breakfasts, there's Airbnb, and there's lots of student accommodation that is empty during the peak season, the summertime when the students are away. Yeah, that's a really good tip, actually. And I'll put a link to some of these places in the show notes. But if you book really well in advance, you have the opportunity to stay in student accommodation within the university which is a fantastic way to actually really feel like you are living in the heart of student life in Cambridge. Now, it's not that easy to get these rooms because they do hold lots of conferences during the summer as well. But if you plan your trip well in advance, you could definitely get a night or two to stay in a traditional Cambridge college. And it's a little bit cheaper. So on average, you're going to be paying something like between 100 and £150 a night in a hotel Sometimes that could be per person, depending on how fancy a hotel that you book. There's some really nice accommodation in Cambridge these days, but we'll put some links to some budget accommodation too. But if you stay in one of these, um, if you stay in a student room, it's about £100 for two people. So £50 a head. And uh, the current exchange rate, I guess, is about £1.2, £1.3 to pounds. Ish. Yeah. And it fluctuates all the time. So, okay. People often say to me, well, I hear England's expensive, and it, it, is. It, it is expensive if you're looking at the dollar. You know, I look at a can of Coke in America as a dollar, a can of Coke in Germany is a euro, a can of Coke in England is a pound. Yeah. And if you look at it that way, and then you realise how much you're spending, it, England can be expensive. But you, if you do it right, it's not so bad. There's some good places to eat and stay that's not so expensive and you can get good value for money, yeah. but you've got to start. Yeah, you really do. And I think Cambridge is a, um, definitely an example of a, a day or a two day trip where some planning in advance would really pay dividends in the long run. So there's a couple of really nice hotels in the city centre. One of them is called the University Arms, which has just been renovated. It's really beautiful. It's situated on one of the loveliest open green spaces in Cambridge called Parker's Peace. Like I said, it's probably luxury accommodation, but if you're only staying for one night, then maybe that's something you can treat yourself to. Could do it. There's also uh, two Hiltons in Cambridge as well. There's uh, some independent hotels. Um, There's very good Airbnbs. And a cousin of ours has rooms to rent with Prospero Homes, so we can put notes in the links as well. And they've got downtown accommodation, uh, self-catering accommodation. It's really good. I've actually stayed there when we had weddings and mum's house was too full to stay in, so... It's a good place to go. Oh, that's good to know. Brilliant. Okay, so we've sorted out where we're going to stay. Um, wow, what are we going to see in Cambridge? Where do we start? First thing for Cambridge is wear some walking shoes or some sneakers. Yeah, absolutely. You want, you want to walk this place or even rent a bike is a good way of doing it. You don't want to drive. You, there's no need to drive. You want to get to the city centre and just walk. Yeah. Now, I've mentioned many times about nooks and crannies and little side streets. Cambridge is an absolute oasis of nooks and crannies and side streets. You know, you're not going to get down some of these places in a car. You're going to miss them if you're in a car. Just get on a bike or walk. And I prefer walking around Cambridge. Yeah, I think that's a really good point about your car, actually. Even if you're driving from Lakenheath or Mildenhall, try and leave your car outside the city centre at one of the park and ride um, car parks and take a bus into the city centre. Parking in Cambridge city centre is incredibly expensive. 
and most of the city centre is pedestrianised, so you can't take your car around there anyway. But what you can do, John, is take a hop on and hop off bus. <laughs> well, funny you say that. That's a good thing to do. But before we go there, if you're coming from Lake and Heath and Mildenhall and you're travelling down the A14 to Cambridge, mm -hmm. you can actually stay on the A14, turn off at Milton, and then that's just outside Cambridge, and that's got the park and ride. So you're actually on one road from Mildenhall and Lake and Heath. And the park and ride then is like two or three pounds into the city centre and you park for a pound all day. It's definitely the easiest way of doing it if you're coming from that side of the world. Yeah, it's pretty cost effective as well because it will cost you well over 20 pounds to park in Cambridge for a day, if not more. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, yeah, I do think the hop on and hop off bus is a good way to get your bearings around Cambridge. And one of the things that that does include is a visit to the American Cemetery in Maddingley. You really don't need to go outside of Cambridge city centre to get everything you need to see in Cambridge. But that's one place that I absolutely recommend that everybody visits. And it's somewhere that I go to every time I'm back in Cambridge. So the American Cemetery in Maddingley is about three miles outside of the city centre. It's in a stop that's included on the hop on and hop off bus. So it's a great way to get out there. And it's maintained by the American Battle Monuments Commission. And as well as being, I guess, a kind of very solemn and reflective place, it's also a beautiful place. It's beautifully maintained. The chapel there is wonderful. There's a brand new visitor centre there and the views from the hill on which it's situated is absolutely stunning. Have you been? Been many times. I used to, when I was living in Cambridge and biking quite a bit, that would be one of our stops. We'd stop there and have a look around. I took my daughter there once, uh, there in the snow, and we went once in the summer as well, and she really enjoyed it. It's a really nice place to go, pay your respects and uh, have some reflection. And President Bill Clinton stopped there when he was president at the time okay. to go and uh, pay his respects as well yeah it's really it's really is a beautiful place and i would recommend everybody make a stop there for sure on the way through cambridge so let's talk about the rest of cambridge american visitors may not understand our very strange college system in cambridge and oxford so let me just explain that a little bit so the university of cambridge is one complete institution but it's actually made up of 31 separate colleges does that make sense yes to me I grew up with it. So the colleges are not separate institutions. They're part of the college. But if you are a student in Cambridge, you don't apply to Cambridge University. You apply to a particular college. And that college is where you live. It's where you eat. It's where you will have, I guess, your student support. But then there's about, I think, 20 schools or um, faculties that run across the whole university. So you might apply to one college to study law and you'll go to lectures with somebody from another college that's also studying law. Does that make sense? No, but carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but what's rather nice about that system is it means that there are 31 different beautiful buildings to see around Cambridge. So the oldest of the colleges is Peterhouse College, but probably the most famous of the colleges is King's College. And King's College is somewhere that you can visit. Um, you need to buy a ticket to visit King's. But what I'll do in the show notes, I've got a whole list of colleges that you can visit for free. But I definitely would recommend paying to visit King's College because it's really stunning. And inside of all of these colleges, are, it's a whole new world. You can walk through Cambridge and you see these beautiful old walled buildings. But behind these buildings is just a whole world that you can't experience. If anybody is a Harry Potter fan and you've seen Hogwarts, imagine that every one of these colleges is basically a version of Hogwarts in itself. It's really incredible. They have these huge, beautiful dining halls, lots and lots of student accommodation. Every college has its own chapel. Every college has a porter's lodge, which is a reception area where you first go in. And the porters are all dressed in... Um, morning suits and bowler hats. It's very traditional and very lovely. And you have to visit the colleges while you're there. Definitely. And do you know when uh, the, the universities first started in Cambridge? I can't remember the date, but it's a really long time ago. Are you going to tell I'm me? I'm going to tell you. It's 1209, the very first college, which was Peterhouse, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But it wasn't the oldest, was it? Oxford came first. Oxford came Cambridge first. Was... Cambridge came second. And do you know why Cambridge University was started? I think because some scholars had a falling out at Oxford, is that right? It's very, very close. The university okay. was started 
with people escaping the hostile townspeople of Oxford. And then they went, moved to Cambridge because Cambridge was a very important city uh, on the river for trade. So they moved to Cambridge, okay. started the university there. And uh, that's how Cambridge started. It was the third university in the world after Bologna the first, Oxford the second, mm-hmm. Cambridge the third. And um, wow. the rivalry between Cambridge and Oxford still exists to this day. If you look at the rugby, the rowing, and every other sport they do, the rivalry is still there. Oh, yeah, very much so. You can walk through Cambridge and you'll see the entrance to all of these colleges. And like you said, Cambridge is full of nooks and crannies. So there are these amazing cobbled streets. Probably the most famous would be King's Parade. Absolutely. Yeah, it runs along the front of King's College and also King's College Chapel. Um, but probably the best way to see the colleges is from the river. It's a really good way to see it. There's a couple of things you must do. The American Cemetery is one. Mm-hmm. Walk around the colleges is two. And the third is punting. Cambridge is famous for punting. So you can... There's, What's punting? Okay. <laughs> Explain punting to people that have never heard. All right. We're, we all know about Venice and the gondoliers in Venice. Yes. Cambridge have these flat boats called punts. So you can go down. You can either rent one yourself and try and punt through the, the city or, or through the river. I wouldn't recommend it. I tried to be cheap and do that myself a couple of times and almost ended up in the river <laughs> or just pay for somebody to uh, punt for you, which is the best way. And they'll take you along the river. They call it the backs. And you see the backs of the university. And it's a really picturesque, beautiful way of seeing the backs of King's College Chapel and, and, uh, and the other universities and colleges along that part there. And you see the meadows, cows in the middle of a town. You can't believe, but they're there. So yeah. it's a really nice way of doing it. Bring an ice cream, bring some drinks, and just sit there, chill out, and take some pictures for Facebook and Instagram and for your, for your own memories. Yeah, I have, a, I have a bit of a tip when it comes to punting, and I'll add a link to a punting company that I use in the show notes because there's, for us locals, there is a bit of a, a, bit of a punt war going on between some, between some punting companies in Cambridge, and it can get quite aggressive as they tout for business for the tourists on the streets. And I think it's it's kind of not very nice. They're really kind of quite pushy. So I use, when I'm taking guests, I use a company and I pre-book our chauffeur-driven punts in advance. We have a pre-arranged spot to meet. That means I can kind of do away with all the people hassling me in the street trying to book punts. And I've, I find it can be a little aggressive. So just be aware of that. And like I said, I'll add a link into the show notes so you can pre-book a company that I find to be, uh, yeah, a bit, a bit friendlier to do that for sure. Yeah, they the, the punt wars are notorious in Cambridge, that's for sure. Yeah, they really are. But what's lovely about going along um, the backs, as we call it, um, on the river, is that you really get to see Cambridge from a different perspective. Because as you're walking through the town, there's walls in front of all of these colleges with these big, beautiful gates and doors. But from the back, everything's completely open down to the river. So you really get to look inside of the colleges and the college grounds and the gardens in these grounds are absolutely beautiful really beautifully maintained what you're going to see is like immaculate lawns beautiful rose gardens and you must take your camera as you go along the backs you're going to go under famous sites like the mathematical bridge there's a bridge called garrett hostel bridge which is incredibly famous you're going to see the money shot from every single postcard and picture of Cambridge all around the world, and that's the back of King's College, and you can be sitting there taking that picture yourself. It's absolutely stunning and a must, a must do in Cambridge, even if it's raining. Take an umbrella. Yeah, Cambridge is one of those cities that you can do any time of year. It's really good. Obviously, the, the summer months are great, but you know, when I was living there and working there and biking around there, I'd be out every day of the year and sometimes there'd be some mist coming off the river, mist coming off the, the grass, and you'd get the really romantic picture of King College uh, with all the fog and mist around it. It's just, even in rain, it's a beautiful place. Just, you know, just be prepared. England does like rain. <laughs> yeah, England does like rain, absolutely. So just be prepared for all weathers. But you know what? Every time I go back in the summer, I get glorious weather and we end up on usually getting sunburnt sitting on a punt. So maybe you want to take a sunshade as well as an umbrella, just in case. Definitely. You never know in England. No, right? definitely. <laughs> so I've mentioned visiting the colleges before and I'm going to put a link to, into the show notes about some colleges you can visit for free. I definitely recommend paying to get into King's College. There's something else you can do for free and that's really definitely worth it and that's you can attend um evensong which is a um a service in king's college chapel 
And I believe it's on every evening. I'll put a link in the show notes. And it's completely free to enter. They open the doors to the chapel about 15 minutes before it starts. And they have different choirs singing throughout the week. So you can see, you know, who's, who you're going to hear singing. It's absolutely beautiful. Sunday evenings tends to get a little busy. So if you can go away from the weekend, then that would be even better. But it's really worth it. That will give you a beautiful experience of Cambridge. I don't think you need to be a person of faith to enjoy that. I think it's an amazing cultural experience just to be in a chapel listening to a, a choir singing in that beautiful uh, environment. Yeah, I mean, the King's College Chapel is, is ultra famous across the world. Um, on Christmas Day, they have the Christmas carols from King's. Um, goes all around the world. It's beamed out to hundreds of millions of people. And it, it really is a special mm. experience. Exactly. So I think that's definitely something you could do. And you can do it for free. Uh, talking about free things to do, there's the Fitzwilliam Museum, which is uh, down in the city centre as well, not far from King's Parade. That's a wonderful museum. It's always got different themes going on. And in and around Cambridge, there's a few little museums dotted around that you can get in, in and out of as well. Hence why I think you'd need more than a day. But if you've got a day and only a day, just get around and do what you can. Yeah, absolutely. And the um, botanical gardens are a little further out from the city centre, but definitely worth a visit as well. It's really beautiful there. I think there is a small entrance fee for that. I'll check and put it in the in the show notes. But the Fitzwilliam Museum is very famous and they have a fantastic Egyptian exhibition in the basement, which kids seem to love because there's lots of mummies and things like that down there for them to look at. Correct. Yeah. Uh, one other place that I would recommend, and this is because it's a little bit close to my heart because I used to work near here, is the Round Church, which is on Bridge Street. The Round Church is one of only four remaining medieval churches that's still used to this day. It's, I think, the second oldest building in Cambridge, and it's pretty beautiful and very famous. Uh, but that's not the reason I'm recommending it. The reason I'm recommending it is because I used to work in the building behind it for many years, which is called the Union Society, which is Cambridge University's debating society. The it's a student society. And inside it has a replica of the House of Commons, where the students hold weekly debates throughout the term time. What's even more fantastic is it's the only student bar in the University of Cambridge that's open to the public. So you can go in there and have uh, a coffee or a drink in the afternoon or the evening. And they also have a beer garden. And that's situated right behind the Round Church. So two reasons to visit Bridge Street and visit the Round Church and the Union Society building behind it. If you do visit the Union Society bar, it's called the 1815 bar. And the bar manager there is called Sam. And tell him that Michelle sent you. OK, OK. <laughs> a tip I didn't know. The Round Church is Banksmack City Centre. Yeah. It's close to um, St. John's College. It's close to the river. If you're downtown, you're going to come across the Round Church. Yeah, that's right. And um, next to St. John's College, you have Trinity College, Trinity Hall, Gonville and Keys College. I mean, all of these colleges are, most of them are very centrally located. So you can tick a lot off your list of colleges that you can see. You won't be able to go into all of them, but some of them are available and open to the public. So it's definitely worth it. And, you know, the thing to do, well, this is kind of what I like to do. If I've got visitors, I will look up where my visitors from are from. I'll find some famous alumni that attended Cambridge University that are, that are associated with wherever they're from. And I'll try and take them to the college so that they can associate that with somebody famous that they know. One of the most famous people from Cambridge in recent times is Stephen Hawking. He's a guy that we've, we've read about a lot recently. He's just passed away. He even made it on The Simpsons. That's how famous he is. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody knows Professor Hawkins. <laughs> That's it. Other ones that off the top of my head that people will know about would be Prince Charles, went to Jesus College. Okay. Dr. House, Hugh Laurie. Oh, yeah. And he was a member of Footlights. Ah, Footlights. Yeah. Along with Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean. And tell us a bit more about Footlights, Michelle. What is Footlights? Yes. Let me bring you back to the Union Society. So Footlights is a, a Cambridge University um, student drama association or drama club. And lots of really famous comedians started their career as a member of Footlights. And the Footlights membership room is in the basement of the Union Society behind the Round Church. Exactly. And uh, just around the corner from there is the ADC Theatre, which is where they would put on a lot of their productions. Absolutely. And when my daughter, Chloe, was growing up and doing drama, she did, um, she did a play 
with some parts of the university and they did it at the ADC Theatre. And you're looking on the wall and you're seeing a list of who's who of celebrities. People like Sam Mendes, then, as we just mentioned, Hugh Laurie, Rowan Atkinson, and many, 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 many more have attended Cambridge University. Yeah, absolutely. And they would have been members of Footlights. They would have appeared in in plays and events. And uh, they call them, if it's a comedy, they call them comedy reviews at the ADC. And all of these things are available to the public to buy tickets. It's not, you know, it's not just unique to students. So you can go into the ADC theatre and find out what's on during your stay and book some tickets to go and see something. And when you go to the ADC theatre, Chloe and I, when I was living back in England and uh, Chloe was doing the drama, we would often go to different shows at the ADC theatre. And you can actually get tickets for peanuts. I mean, like five and six pounds for a ticket for a show. And some of the best shows we ever seen were university related with the young upcoming stars of the future. So it's a really good place to go and uh, look at a little bit of theatre, raw theatre. You know, it's not a West End production. It's not a Broadway show. But these kids could be part of the the future of that. So it's, it's definitely worth doing if you like drama and that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, after the show, everybody goes to the the Maypole English pub around the corner, and a, which where you're likely to, you know, be drink having drinks with people that you've seen in the show, who in maybe ten or fifteen years time are going to be stars of Broadway, TV, film. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And speaking of the Maypole and English pubs, that is one thing that Cambridge does very, very well, isn't it, John? Uh, pubs and me and Cambridge go hand in hand, I believe. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if you're looking for a that very traditional English pub, then you're going to find a whole lot of them in Cambridge, for sure. Yeah, and one of the really nice things about the English bars, English pubs, there's the big chains, um, which I recommend if you're on trips to England, hitting up like a Weatherspoons. I jokingly mm-hmm. call it the McDonald's of the pub chains. But if you yeah. want something cheap and cheerful, uh, clean bathrooms, and you, you're having a break and stuff for the kids, a Weatherspoons mm. is always good to find. But if you want a different experience, there's lots of totally independent bars in Cambridge. And Cambridge is an abundance of craft beers. We don't call them craft beer in the UK. We call them real ales. But it's an absolute abundance of real ales and craft beers. You go to different places, they've got beers such as Old Speckled Hens, Spotted Dicks, and all these weird and wonderful names that you just <laughs> can't imagine are beers. But that, that's what they are. So it's definitely worth getting into some of the bars sitting down, ordering a pint, half a pint, and seeing what the, the, the atmosphere is like. Because that's where, that, that's how England is. That's how England grew up. England grew up in bars. And that was the social point. You'd have a social club for when they're really young kids. And then as you got a bit older, you'd progress to the bars and you'd have your debates, you'd have your discussions, you'd talk politics and whatever would be done in a bar around a pint, around a fire. And that, it's a good way of doing it. There's a really, really famous pub in Cambridge. One that's famous for a few different reasons. And do you know which one I'm talking about, Michelle? It has to be the Eagle. The Eagle. And why is it so famous? Oh, goodness. Okay, let me give you the reasons I think it's famous. Um, the, the, probably the biggest reason it's famous is because when Watson and Crick, and I'm going to add Franklin, who was later added for historic reasons, uh, discovered the sequence of DNA uh, they ran into the Eagle pub, stood on a table and announced that they basically unraveled the key to life. Correct. That is probably the most famous thing. And that happened probably about 60, 70 years ago. So not that long ago. And all of a sudden DNA, pardon the pun, is in our DNA everywhere. And we all know about <laughs> DNA from watching all the crime shows on TV. And yeah. another reason it's famous, Michelle, can you give me that answer? Um, okay, are we going to talk about the, the airmen writing yes. on the ceiling? So uh, during the Second World War, there were a lot of um, American airmen based around Cambridge, as we know, and, you know, Milton Hall and Lake and Heath are still very much there. And there is a very famous story, and I think it must be real because the writing's there. There was a large um, squadron that were due to fly off, and they went into the pub, and they all wrote messages on the ceiling just in case they never made it home. Correct. And it's, uh, it's a place very close to King's College. It's very, it's full of tourists, it's full of locals as well, but it's certainly a place to go and have a pint and sit near the open fire. They've got a small beer garden and you, you, you are actually sitting in a piece of history there. So it's definitely worth a while to stop and have, have some lunch or just go in for a drink. Yeah. 
The Eagle is located in Bennett Street, which is just off of King's Parade, opposite a very famous clock. It's called the Gonville and Keys Clock. And I won't spoil the surprise, but you'll know it when you see it because it's very unusual. And it costs something crazy like a million pounds to make. No way, really? Yeah, yeah. That's crackers. So we've covered visiting the colleges. We've covered famous pubs in Cambridge. I've talked a little bit about King's Parade, which may I say is a fantastic place to get an ice cream on a summer's day as well. Lots of ice cream stores around there. Um, one other place that I would recommend taking a trip just outside of the city centre to, and maybe this is worth getting a taxi out to, but it is a beautiful walk, would be to go out to Grantchester Meadows, John. Grantchester Meadows is, is fantastic. In the days when I was biking a lot around Cambridge, we'd get out to Grantchester Meadows a lot. Um, as kids, we would get up there in the summer and run around and play around and jump in the river. And Grantchester Meadows is another place that's famous, linked to famous people, because there's a band, you may have heard of them, called Pink Floyd. <laughs> used to spend a lot of time there uh, when they were at university in Cambridge, and they, they started getting a lot of their songs together while they're out in Grantchester Meadows. Wow, fantastic. Yeah, it's um, it's quite a walk. It's probably about 45 minutes, an hour to walk out there. But when you get there, you're going to find three or four, again, really beautiful traditional pubs with very nice food in them. I know England didn't have the greatest reputation for food for many years, but I think our food game has come on quite well. And all of the pubs in Grantchester do offer fantastic food. It's definitely worth booking in advance. We go to the Red Lion a lot or the Rupert Brook, both of which offer fantastic, fantastic food. Yeah, Grantchester, the pubs there are lovely. Um, they're not just pubs as in drink loads of beer. You go there, you can have a tea, a coffee. The kid, they've got play areas yeah. for the kids. And the Red Lion's hundreds of years old with a big thatched cottage roof. Um, so it's yeah. very, very traditional. It's very picture postcardy. It's, it's worth a stop. Absolutely. And um, there's something else that I'm particularly fond of in Grantchester as well, and that's the Cambridge Gin Distillery. I'm a bit of a gin drinker and Cambridge now has its own gin and it's made by a distillery out in Grantchester. They usually open most days. It's just opposite, I think, the Red Lion. But if you're wandering around Grantchester a little bit, you'll certainly find it. You can have a tasting in there. And the botanicals are grown locally in the gin. Makes for a really wonderful gift to take home. I always have a bottle of Cambridge gin in my drinks cabinet at home, just to remind me. Okay, cool. <laughs> now, also, another thing I like doing when you're around Cambridge is um, because of the students, there's lots of small little shops or small little supermarkets mm. in and around the town. So we're going to talk about food shortly, so I may as well start now. Um, when, Go for it. When you, you can find a little Sainsbury's, a little Tesco's, or everybody's favourite, a Marks and Spencer's, there's Waitrose, <laughs> there's all these uh, supermarket names that you wouldn't have heard of if you're American, but they're, they're high street brands for us. But Marks and Spencer's and Waitrose are the, the top of the pile, but they're all good. Just walk in one of those, buy yourself some sandwiches, buy yourself some fruit, and sit on one of the many, many green spaces that Cambridge City Centre has. You've got um, Parker's Peace, which is wonderful. A little side note on Parker's Peace. Parker's Peace is the home to the first ever game of association football. So basically what that means is soccer was invented on Parker's Peace, which is a really... really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, there's loads of open spaces to walk around. Grab yourself some sandwiches, grab yourself some fruit, grab yourself some drinks and sit and have a picnic on one of the spaces in Parker's Peace, Christ Pieces and wherever else. Cambridge is really an abundance of open space in the city centre, mm. which is very unusual. Absolutely. And I think you're dead right. A picnic in Cambridge is definitely something that you should be doing if you're there for a day or two. Yeah. There's, and there's loads of space to do it. And you're not going to be the odd one out doing it because there'll be hundreds of other people doing it. You walk down to Jesus Green by the river, the swimming pool, there's hundreds of people out there. So it's, it, it's a nice experience and worth doing. So let's get stuck into foods then, John. <laughs> Where are your best top tips to eat out in Cambridge? Well, when I was growing up in Cambridge, as you mentioned just a few minutes ago, England never had a good reputation for food. Mm. But now Cambridge is one of the hotspots in the UK for food. It's got some yeah. wonderful restaurants, a lot of small independent restaurants, some small bakeries, small Italians. Um, there's loads of different places to eat. So it really depends what you want to go for. Indian curry. Cambridge is some of the best Indian curry outside the north of England. North of England is its own place for curry. But if you like curry, Cambridge has got a lot. 
There's um, Regent Street's got two or three curry places, which is not far from the city centre. Mm-hmm. And the newest restaurant to Cambridge, one that's getting a lot of great reviews, I haven't yet been, is the Ivy. Mm. Um, the Ivy is very famous in London. They've got, I think, two or three eateries in London. And they're in theatre land and that sort of area. And they're, they're famous mm. for famous people going there. And uh, I, I went recently, when I was back in London with my daughter, Chloe. We went there and had a wonderful time. Didn't do the Ivy in Cambridge, but that'll be next on my list. So there's lots of places to go. Have you got a favourite place? Um, well, even though I'm a vegetarian, <laughs> I quite like Steak and Honour, which is a burger joint. It's not terribly expensive, but they're freshly made burgers. I can go and get a vegetarian burger or a Portobello burger. But everybody else I've been around seem to have a great time. So we really enjoy that. There's another place called The Smokehouse, which does ribs and burgers and a really great coleslaw as well. So there's a lot of places where you can eat quite inexpensively. But I have to say, I also like some of the really high-end restaurants in Cambridge as well. One of the most famous is Midsummer House, which is situated on Midsummer Common. That's, I think, a two-star Michelin restaurant. That's a real treat. You have to book that in advance, and they have an amazing tasting menu, like seven courses. Definitely worth it if you're having a grown-up weekend. Probably not something to do if you're taking the kids to Cambridge. Um, Another really nice restaurant in Cambridge, which is not nearly as expensive, is a place called 22 Chesterton Lane. And they also do a nice tasting menu, but it's about half the price of Midsummer House. So you can get the same sort of quality food for a fraction of the price. Again, you really need to book that in advance. It's a very small restaurant on Chesterton Lane, so there's very little chance of being able to walk in and just just get a table there without booking in advance. And what I like about Restaurant 22, it it is an old house turned into a a restaurant, so it's really, really cool. Also, if you're walking from the train station, there's a few burger vans and street food places just near the station, and that ranges Mm. from... They've got Indian, they've got steak and honour type places, they've got Chinese, and it's really good, nice food that's inexpensive. And Cambridge has a lot of street food fairs. So depending on what time of year, have a look for the street food fairs because the the mobile street food has become very popular in and around Cambridge. And when there's festivals on, they uh, they head out there as well. But they do their own uh, street food days, so you can go and just taste Mm. Lots and lots of different foods. Yeah, that's really taken off recently, hasn't it? And it's really good quality food as well. Um, I yeah. think there might be um, a website that I can link to so you can find out where some of these places are going to be. And again, it's this kind of thing that you can go buy something to take away with you and then walk along the walk through the city, look at the colleges or get on a punt and look at the colleges from the backs and, you know, have that whole experience. Yeah, absolutely. So we've covered quite a lot of places to eat and there's definitely places where you could just wander through and um, just try and get a table on the off chance as well. I mean, we've recommended a few places to book. So if you're walking out to Grantchester, definitely book. If you're looking at a high end restaurant, definitely book. But there's lots of places you can just drop in on a whim in Cambridge as well and grab a table, isn't there? Definitely. And when you're in the city centre as well, a place that um, I should have mentioned earlier, place that you need to stop at is the Cambridge Market. Funnily enough, John, I've got that on my list too. They have some great <laughs> <laughs> they have some great food stores on Cambridge Market and it's right in the heart of the city. Yeah, it's right at Bang Smack City Centre. Uh, they've got some fruit stalls, they've got crepes and uh, a favourite of mine is Sarah and Shelley's for a cup of tea and you can get a hot dog or a cake and just sit there and watch the world go by. So that's a really good place to get some food as well. Yeah, and we know them really well. So tell them we sent you if you go and see um, Sarah and Shelley on the market stall. And Jim's also there, but his name's not there. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what's also quite lovely, and this is a relatively new in the past year and a half about Cambridge, is an abundance of rooftop bars have opened up. And this is really exciting because Cambridge from above is an incredible way to see the city because you can kind of really get a feel for where all of the buildings, famous buildings, churches and colleges are, can't you? Yeah, I mean, if you if you walk up the Great St Mary's Church, which is next door to Cambridge Market, you get to the mm-hmm. top, it's probably one of the highest points, if not the highest point of Cambridge, and you can get to look down all over the city centre from the rooftops. And that was like a one-off. Um, then they mm-hmm. had a restaurant in the Grand Arcade that was the second place that you could go and have a cup of tea and look over and see the rooftops. But now bars have opened up. So you can actually go yeah. have a, an alcoholic drink or a, a tea, a coffee, whatever, and overlook uh, overlook the city and it's a really cool way of doing things yeah one of my favorites is the rooftop bar above the varsity hotel it's called six uh it's a really nice bar and uh, obviously i can go there and 
taste one of my gin and tonics from up there. And the view from it up there is absolutely incredible. But I think there's um, there's also another one. I haven't tried it yet, but it's been recommended to me. And that's Novi on Regent Street. That's also a rooftop bar and has a really good reputation. Yeah, I haven't been. So uh, I'm going to look forward to when I go back in the summer to uh, try out some of these places as well. Well, this is quite exciting, John. I'm actually going back next weekend. So I get to try out all of these places again. <laughs> there you go. Maybe we can do part two. <laughs> So, John, we've got very carried away talking about Cambridge, and I think you and I could both talk about Cambridge for hours and hours, but let's talk about some of the practicalities of getting to Cambridge. Um, do Americans need a visa to travel to England? Because that's something I get asked about all the time, actually. No, you don't, need a, you don't need a visa. You need a valid passport with at least six months left remaining on the passport. Good, and I think if you're flying into England, they'll give you a landing card on the plane to fill out before you arrive into border control. Yes. Also, another wonderful way of doing um, Cambridge is if you catch the train. And we oh. haven't talked about doing the train. It's right. really, yeah, it's really, really cool. You can get the train from Kaiserslautern to Paris. It's about two hours, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And you can go from Paris straight into London, King's Cross, into the heart of London. And then from there, a 45-minute train uh, direct into Cambridge. So if you want to do an action-packed weekend, you could do Paris, London, Cambridge, all in a couple of days, all in two or three days. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's, it'll keep you quite busy, but a, it's a, quite a relaxing way to travel, isn't it? It's a really nice relaxing way to travel. It's uh, something I've done on many occasions. It's just a good way of doing it. There's less hassle. You're not at the uh, massive border controls at the airport. You still have border mm. controls, you still have security, but it's not as, as busy as at, at the airports. It's just another way of doing it. Friends of mine have done it when I've mentioned it to them. They've really enjoyed it as well. And do you, have you booked that through Deutsche Bahn or with Eurostar, which is the, the international train? What I do is I, I try and cheat the system because it can be expensive. It's a bit more expensive than flying. What mm -hmm. I've found is a good way of doing it is if you use the Bar Deutsche Bahn app and do the return mm -hmm. app through Deutsche Bahn, um, yeah. what, what really worked for me was booking singles rather than return journeys. And oh, it worked, that's interesting. Yeah, it worked out cheaper because as soon as I pressed return, it would double the price um, from the 100 euros it was going to be to 200 euros. I think this is getting too expensive. So mm -hmm. then I looked at the singles and it would be like uh, 60 and 60 each way to Paris. So there was a saving straight away there. There's not the same saving using Eurostar, but they've also got a very good app as well. So you can use the Barn app, Eurostar app, and you can even um, use the barn app or telephone the barn to uh, book the whole trip. But I just found doing it that way, booking single tickets, worked out cheaper for me on the occasions I went. That's a great tip. I'll put the um, links to Deutsche Bahn and Eurostar if you want to book them individually into the show notes as well. OK, cool. Um, so let's talk currency. In Britain, we don't use the euro. So and dollars are not widely accepted at all. So um, I think we need to make it very clear that you need to buy some great British pounds before you go over. But what's fantastic about Britain is not unlike America, cards are widely accepted everywhere. So that's a nice change from being in Germany, isn't it? It's a, a very nice change. Cards are accepted everywhere in taxis as well. Uh, what I find is pretty good is using the big banks like the Barclays Bank or HSBC to pull money out of. It seems to have good exchange rates if, if you need some pounds. Okay, and there's banks all over Cambridge, isn't there? It isn't hard to find a place to get to draw out cash. There's, there must be 20, 30 banks in and around the city centres. There's a lot of banks, there's a lot of ATMs. So if you need the mm. cash, do it. But the, it, most bars even, you've just gone in for a few pints, most bars will, will, take, um, will take a card. Also, you've got to remember in Germany, you, you order a round and you don't pay until the end until you're leaving. In Cambridge, you're paying pint by pint or drink by drink. So just remember that England is a bit different. So. If you haven't got yeah. any loose change, have it. Yeah, that's great. That's a great tip, actually. There's not really the same table service in bars or in, in pubs, as we call them in England, that you get in Germany. So generally speaking, you go to the bar and order drinks, don't you, and then take them back to your table. That's Ex a, gr a great tip. Exactly. And a lot of the time you go in these bars, you've got to find your table number first, then go up to the bar, order your food and drink and pay for it then, and then it comes down. So that's, um, that's different to Germany, so just be prepared for that. Yeah, yeah great, great tip. Um, what about safety? Is Cambridge a safe city to be wandering around? Cambridge is a really safe city. I, I grew up there, you grew up in the area as well. I found Cambridge really safe. Cambridge at night time is a, is a little bit lively. You get the students, you get the town and the gown, 
uh, as we call it, the students and the locals sometimes having a few drinks and a little bit of a argy-bargy. But it's generally quite safe. But th there's a lot of youngsters out and about drinking at, at nighttime, partying. So if you've got young kids, you might, you might want to steer clear of the city centre towards the late evening. Yeah, I think that's a fair point and something that's probably um, quite common across Britain, actually, and that's kind of late night drinking culture. Um, we do tend to find that people can get a little bit more aggressive when they've had a few drinks. We don't have um, long hours to drink in pubs like they do in Central Europe. So the pubs tend to close at all around the same time in the evening, which means you have quite a lot of people with that have had quite a lot to drink all out on the streets at the same time. And that can sometimes just cause a little bit of friction. It can, just be careful, keep your head down, keep out of trouble, you should be fine. Uh, try and avoid taxi stands that late at night because uh, yes. people do start arguing over the taxis quite a lot. So uh, watch that one. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And also just like most tourist towns, just be a little bit aware of your bags and purses, um, keep them zipped up. I've never really noticed any particular crime in Cambridge, but wherever there's lots of tourists, there's always opportunists to who are trying to, you know, grab some purses and things out, out of bags and pockets, but nothing that I've ever particularly noticed myself. No. And with, with Lake and Heath and Milton all being up the road, you'll see a few more Americans knocking around as well. And just keep vigilant, as in any, any large city, any tourist trap. Yeah, exactly. Cambridge is quite used to tourists all the time, actually. Yes. Um, Let's just talk about we've we've done a we've talked a lot about traveling around Cambridge and seeing lots of sites. Is it somewhere you can take with kids? I don't have kids, but you you have um you're part of a blended family. Is that somewhere you take your kids? Yeah, my daughter lives there. She's now 23. So growing up in Cambridge and being in Cambridge was a great place. There's lots to do. There's uh, uh, some cinemas, there's theatre, there's play parks. We mentioned earlier the botanical garden, it's a beautiful place to take kids down by the backs. So there's a lot for the kids to do. There's a lot of walking. There's a lot of green spaces. But Cambridge is a place you can bring kids. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned there's a lot of walking, but there's a lot of places to stop as well and actually rest and take refreshments and drinks. And also, if you um, uh, check out the Cambridge Tourism website, and I'll send link, I'll add a link to that in the show notes as well. There's usually lots of interesting things going on in Cambridge. Um, sort of visual spectacles or things to get involved with, little festivals along the along the riverbanks and things. I was in Cambridge recently, and there was a dragon boat festival along the River Cam. It was fantastic. Yeah, they do they do put a lot on for the locals. They put a lot on in school school time. The Cambridge Folk Festival uh, is on at the end of July, and that's very famous if you like folk music. And um, that's really open for kids. And there's face painting uh, knocking around. And yeah, Cambridge is definitely somewhere to take the children. You might have to do a little bit of research on places to go, but it's very uh, children friendly. Brilliant. That sounds great. Well, we've said quite a lot about Cambridge and I think probably the listeners can hear from our voices. We're kind of excited to share our home city with everybody, but I think we should probably leave it there because otherwise you're going to need a whole week to visit Cambridge. But there are a couple of places that I think are worth mentioning. If you are in Cambridge for more than a couple of days, then there are a few places that you could add onto the list to visit. Um, one of those I'd say would be Ely and there's an amazing cathedral there and you can get the train from Cambridge directly there and it's also very famous for being a film location so the King's Speech was filmed in Ely Cathedral um, parts of Harry Potter get filmed in Ely Cathedral because it's a very very picturesque cathedral and they allow filming that's right and uh, parts of the crown was filmed there as well oh wow yeah so it's, it's used it's huge because it's not bang smack in the centre of London. It's a little bit away, so get a bit more privacy. Mm. And it's very old, very regal. So, yeah, and about 20 minutes on a train from Cambridge. Yeah, it's a really beautiful little um, little town, Ely. And you can do some boat trips up and down the river there as well. It's quite picturesque. Definitely worth it if you've got more than a couple of days around the Cambridge area. Yeah, certainly. Also, if you're out and about, and you're certainly near Lake and Heath and Mildenhall, the other side of Cambridge, going up the other way at the A14, is a beautiful, lovely town called Bury St Edmunds. Bury St Edmunds is an old abbey. Um, it's got the Green King Brewery, which is a big pub in the UK as well, a big pub chain in the UK. Um, it's got the abbey grounds, which are wonderful. And Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones lived there for a while. He's not one of the only famous people. There's many oh, wow. there. And the place Ramona most wants to go when we next go back to England is Bury St Edmunds. So we'll be going out there and maybe we'll do a whole episode on Bury St Edmunds. 
Yeah, it's a lovely little market town, actually. It has a really nice farmer's market and uh, lots of independent shops around Bury St Edmunds. Definitely worth a visit. And a lot of history there as well. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's worth a visit, especially if you're at Lake and Heath and Mildenhall. It's minutes away. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, well, I think that's all we've got time for in this episode, John. Guys, if you're listening to this and you manage to do a fraction of what we've recommended to you in Cambridge, we'd be absolutely delighted to hear what you think of our hometown. Yeah, it's a wonderful place. We love it. Let us know your thoughts. And if you need any tips, get in contact. But that's enough from me for today. So have fun, explorers, and enjoy. Hope you get to Cambridge. And thank you. See you in the next episode, guys. I really hope you enjoyed our visit to Cambridge, England. This was a really special episode for me and John to record because we took you back to our home and we were able to share some of our very favourite places. If you do visit Cambridge, please let us know by leaving a comment or tweet using the hashtag ExploreEurope. We'd love to know what you think about our hometown. Every week, I'm sharing a sustainable travel tip, something to make us all more mindful travellers and help us to reduce our impact on the planet as we explore more of it. About 50 billion plastic water bottles are purchased every year in the US. That's an average of 13 bottles per month for everyone in the country. Only about 23% of these bottles actually get recycled. The rest are going into landfill and many end up in our oceans or as litter in the environment. This week's travel tip is to bring a reusable water bottle with you so that you can refill it with fresh water and save buying a new one. By using a reusable bottle, you'll actually help to save an average of 156 new plastic bottles being produced and sold. If your entire family does the same, then that's a real impact that you'll be making over a year. I believe the best travellers leave nothing behind but a good impression and take nothing away but great memories. Thank you for listening to Explore Europe. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you to the good guys at Used Car Guys for sponsoring today's episode. You can find them online at usedcarguys.net or on location at Kaiserslautern, Ramstein, Spangdalem and Wiesbaden. We'd love to hear from you, so tell us in the comment section where you'd like us to visit next. And let us know where you'll be exploring using the hashtag ExploreEurope on Twitter. See you next time, explorers. <laughs>